Good morning. We would invite all of you to come on in and find a seat. We're so uh, glad to have you here at our worship service this morning. I know we have several visitors in the audience and you're our honored guest. If you're joining us on social media, we welcome you as well. Here in the auditorium, there is a friendship register on each pew. We'd ask that you sign that and pass it on down so others can sign. We'd like to have a record of everyone's attendance. Brother Ken Forrest is in a gospel meeting at North Rienzi this week. Brother Doug will be bringing our, our message today. Also, uh, Brother Guy Gardner is speaking at Liberty this morning, and I know he was down for the prayer. Brother Tommy Barragona is going to be leading us in that prayer. We express our sympathy to Margaret Ann Sanders in the death of her nephew, Tim Sarton. He was the son of the late Robert Earl and Frankie Sarton. Uh, arrangements are going to be made this afternoon and they'll be now announced at a later date. Would you bow with me as we begin our worship service this morning? Our loving Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your blessings. We know also, Father, that you're the God of all comfort, and we pray that you would be with Tim Sarton's family as they prepare to uh, celebrate his life. Father, we, we love you. We pray that our worship to thee this morning would be pleasing in your sight. We pray that you would be with each individual who are leading us in this worship service. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. The first song this morning will be Heavenly Sunlight, 611. Heavenly Sunlight. Let's sing. Walking in sunlight all of my journey over the mountains through the deep Jesus has said
Let's all sing it. Have you ever stood at the ocean with a wife on the shore? Father in heaven, we are truly thankful to you for all of the things that you do for us. Father, we are so thankful for this congregation of your people that meet here. Father, we're thankful that we can have a part in spreading the gospel to all points around the globe. And we pray that you'll continue to bless us and help us as we try to carry the gospel to the world. Father, we're thankful for all of the many efforts that are put forth in this community to bring in people that need to be saved. Father, we're thankful for the great day that we had yesterday, our Super Saturday. Thank you for sending Steve Hodgen to us and, and for his efforts in leading this great event that we were able to have. 
We pray that you'll be with others of our deacons and ministers that are working tirelessly in many different programs that are all designed to show the love of Jesus to this community. And we pray that you'll give us success in all of these things. This morning, we pray for the family of Tim Sarton. We're sorry to hear of his passing. And we pray that you will be with his family and comfort them. Father, be with Brother Doug as he comes and brings the message this morning. We pray that it will fall upon on hearts that listen and are receptive to your word. Father, help us to be better people in your sight. And we pray that someday we can have a great homecoming together in heaven without the loss of one. These things we pray through the name of Jesus. Amen. The invitation song tonight, uh, to this morning will be Trust and Obey, 915. The song before the lesson this morning will be A Beautiful Life, 570. Mm -hmm. Let's sing. Each day I'll do the
This morning I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 7, verses 21. Matthew 7, verse 21, from the New King James Version. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Doesn't Gibson do a great job leading our singing? I always look forward to his song leading. He's not only going to be, he already is a great song leader. And we've got a lot of talented young people here, and we're so thankful for every one of you. I want to welcome you to our services this morning here at the Boonville Church of Christ. We're always excited to be able to welcome everyone, but especially our guests. And I want to thank you personally for being here this morning. We hope that you'll come back and you will worship with us anytime that you have an opportunity. It's a beautiful day outside, isn't it? We got some much needed rain last night, but it's a beautiful day and we're honored to be able to assemble here and worship our God. If you weren't here yesterday for Super Saturday, you really missed out. Yesterday was a fantastic day. I've already told Brother Stephen I appreciate him so much for the excellent way that he planned and organized this great event. Everyone ran, uh, everything ran so smoothly. I wish really I could take up our whole time today talking about all the people involved that, that worked hard, our teachers and others that spent many, many hours preparing for that day. And everybody just pitched in in a marvelous way, and uh, everyone benefited as a result of being here. I still haven't gotten over those snow cones yet. Uh, man, I could have spent all afternoon just eating snow cones if it were possible. And uh, uh, it was just a good day, and we appreciate all those that were involved in in making it a success. Hope you'll plan to come back tonight at five o'clock. We'll have classes for all ages. I wanna ask you a question as we begin today. What's going to matter in your life 100 years from right now? I wanna to suggest to you this morning that 100 years from now, it's not going to matter what kind of car you drive or what kind of house you lived in or the kind of job that you had or the clothes that you wear. 100 years from right now, all the things that seem to be problems for you right now, things that, that you have to focus your attention on, it seems like so much. One of those days, those things will not matter whatsoever. The only thing that's going to matter is where you will spend your eternity. You know, there's no greater decision that a person can ever make than that decision to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are certainly without Christ. We are without hope in this world until we do obey the gospel. And the Bible makes it so very clear what we must do in order to become a Christian. Of course, one must believe that 
Jesus Christ is the Son of God with all of his heart, John 8 and verse 24. One needs to have a repentant spirit. He must be willing to turn away from sin and then turn to God. Luke 13, verse 3. We can't emphasize the importance enough of confessing Jesus Christ as being the Son of God. Acts 8 and verse 37. And then we must be baptized. We must be buried with our Lord in baptism. Romans 6, 3 and 4. We are assured that that act of baptism will wash away every sin. Acts 22 and verse 16. I hope today, if that might be your situation, that you'll think seriously about the importance of where you're going to spend eternity. This morning, for the next few minutes, I want to talk with you about the right attitude we need to have toward obedience. You know, the Bible places a great deal of emphasis upon obedience. I want you to listen very carefully this morning that, to these verses that emphasize obedience. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, the Bible says, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him shall you hearken. Samuel said to Saul in 1 Samuel 15, verse 22, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and in sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as idolatry. Because you have rejected the Lord, he's rejected you from being king. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. In Luke 6 and verse 46, our Lord said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not the things which I say. Over in the book of Romans chapter 6 and verse 16, the Bible says, Know ye not to whom you yield yourself servants to obey. His servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. But you have obeyed from the heart that form, that pattern of teaching that was delivered unto you, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning in verse 7, the Bible says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And then in the very last book of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 14, the Bible says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Now, nobody can read these verses that we've read this morning without coming to the obvious conclusion that God places a great deal of emphasis upon obedience. Over and over again, we're told that God's going to reject those that disobey him. He will accept those that obey him. And so we are to manifest the right attitude toward obedience. In the first place this morning, I want to suggest to you that if a person has the right attitude toward obedience, he's going to obey God in spite of inconvenience. I don't think it's ever convenient for an individual to obey the gospel. The devil's always going to see to that and make it inconvenient for one to obey God. I don't think it's ever convenient for a wayward member to be restored to his first love. If one does choose to make his life right with God, he'll do it in spite of the devil. He'll do it in spite of inconvenience. And multitudes of people have been lost not because they didn't understand the plan of salvation, not because they didn't understand what to do, but simply because it was not a convenient time for them to obey. Over in Acts, the 24th chapter, we read about the Apostle Paul when he was on trial for his life. And Paul was brought before Governor Felix to answer charges, and the Jews had hired an orator by the name of Tertullus to represent them. He was simply repeating what the people told him. Now, Tertullus gave Felix a heap of compliments. And then he brought four charges against the Apostle Paul. He said, number one, this man Paul is a pestilent fella. Number two, this man Paul is a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world. Number three, this man, Paul, is a ringleader in the sect of the Nazarenes. And number four, this man, Paul, has profaned the temple. Now, these are the four charges that were brought against the Apostle Paul. And when Paul was permitted to speak for himself, he, first of all, complimented Uh, Felix because of the position he occupied as governor. I don't think Paul had any respect for him as a man, but he did respect the office and Paul was concerned about his soul. And Paul said to Felix in verse 11 of Acts chapter 24, because you may understand that there are yet but 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. How could I do all these things that they're accusing me of in just 12 days? 
They neither found me in the temple disputing with any man, neither raising up the people either in the synagogues or in the city, neither can they prove these things whereof they now accuse me. Paul then said to Felix, why aren't my accusers here if they have something against me? And neither can they prove these things whereof they accuse me. Paul said, if they ever found any evil in me, be it according to their own opinion, except one thing, that I've been preaching what the prophet said, how that Jesus Christ would suffer and die and be buried and be raised the third day. He said the prophets taught these things, and that's exactly what I've been preaching. Well, the governor told the guards to take Paul back to prison, but to allow friends and family to visit. Paul was allowed to have some liberty, even in confinement. And sometime later, Governor Felix and his wife, Drusilla, sent for the Apostle Paul to hear more about his faith in Christ Jesus. And this time, Governor Felix is there with his wife, Drusilla, and Paul begins to preach to this ungodly governor about righteousness and temperance and judgment to come. Now, can you conceive of a man on trial for his life and yet he begins to preach about these things. And Paul no doubt impressed upon the mind of Felix that he ought to live a godly and upright life. You know, Governor Felix was a very wicked man who had been raised as a slave in the brick fields of Egypt and through political maneuvering, he had become governor of a Roman province. And Paul may have told Felix what Jesus said in Matthew 7 and verse 12. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do unto you, do you even so unto them. For this is the law and the prophets. And after talking a while to Felix about righteousness, he talked to Felix about temperance, about self-control. Governor Felix was a man that had every unbridled lust. And now Paul begins to tell him and impress upon his mind that an individual must buffet his body, discipline his body, bring it into subjection. He can't live a loose life, but he must control his appetites, his life, and his passions. And then after talking a while about temperance, Paul talked to Felix about the judgment to come. He possibly told Felix, you know, just as your judge over all these people, one day you're going to stand before God and you're going to give an account before the judge of all judges. Wouldn't it be wonderful if maybe we could go on YouTube today and we could actually hear the sermon that Paul preached to Governor Felix and his wife on that day? But Paul talked to him about righteousness and temperance 
and judgment to come. Now, why would Paul preach to Felix about righteousness and temperance and judgment to come when he was on trial for his life? It was because that's what that man needed to hear and not what he would like to hear. And I fear today that far too many preachers are telling people what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. And if a preacher is going to be a true man of God, he'll always tell people what they need to hear even though he knows it's not what they would like to hear. And Paul recognized that the gospel was the only power of God unto salvation, and it was the only hope that Governor Felix had in this world. But you know, Paul's sermon was so powerful that it caused Felix to begin to tremble. Now, folks, whenever you can preach and people tremble as a result of that, you've definitely struck the right chord. But after hearing this powerful sermon, Felix said, Paul, go your way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for you. But as far as we know, Governor Felix never obeyed the gospel. Why? It was never convenient for him to do so. And it's sad to think about the multitudes of people who've never obeyed the gospel, not because they don't understand, not because they don't know what to do, but simply because it was not convenient for them to obey God. How many unfaithful members of the Lord's church do you know of who have died unprepared to meet God simply because it was never convenient for them to make their lives right? But you see, if a person has the right attitude toward obedience, he will obey God in spite of inconvenience. Over in Acts chapter 26, we find yet another example of where Paul is preaching before King Agrippa. And after Agrippa gave Paul permission to speak, Paul, first of all, complimented King Agrippa. He then said in verse four, my manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation in Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I've lived a Pharisee. He then said to Agrippa in verse 8, you know, Agrippa, why should it be thought a thing incredible to you that God should raise the dead? I, I barely thought within myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. 
And I punish them often in every synagogue. I compel them to blaspheme and being exceedingly mad against them. I persecuted them even unto strange cities. It would not efface all of Tarsus at this time in his life to take some expectant mother and bind her to a whipping post, compelling her to blaspheme the name of Christ. But Paul said, Agrippa, I was on the road to Damascus. And there was a, a light shining round about me brighter than the noonday sun. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I, I heard a voice saying and, and speaking to me in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And I said, who art thou, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But you rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared unto you for this reason, to make you a minister and a witness, both of those things in which you've seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send you to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of their sins and an inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith, which is in me. And then Paul reasoned with Agrippa. He said in verse 19, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient under the heavenly vision. I preached the gospel in Damascus. I preached the gospel in Jerusalem. I preached the gospel throughout all the coast of Judea. And I was preaching what the prophet said, how that Christ would die, how that he would be buried and raised again the third day. He said, for this causes... The Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Well, old Festus was standing nearby hearing this speech. And Festus cried out with a loud voice, Paul, Paul, you're beside yourself. You've lost your mind. Much learning hath made you mad. But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus. But I speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knows these things before whom I'm speaking freely, for I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for these things were not done in a corner. Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. And then Agrippa said to Paul, almost, you persuade even me to be a Christian. But as far as we know, that never took place because it was not convenient. I believe that Paul touched that man's heart that day with the true word of God. I think Agrippa knew down in his heart that it was right. I think he was impressed. And he said, even I am almost persuaded to be a Christian. 
And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether just as I am, except for these chains. But you know, as far as the Bible reveals, Agrippa never obeyed the gospel. Almost but lost. Why? It was not convenient for him. And you think about the multitudes of people that have never obeyed the gospel. You think about those who are unfaithful members of the Lord's church who have never made their lives right with God simply because it's not convenient. But if one has the right attitude toward obedience, he'll obey God in spite of inconvenience. Over in Matthew chapter 19, we find yet another classic example. Here a rich young ruler came running to Jesus and fell down before him and he said, Good master, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? Now, folks, this is one of the finest upstanding young men that you're ever going to read about. He's young, he's rich, he's a ruler, he's humble. He desired to go to heaven, and notice how he didn't come and stand in the face of Jesus. He fell down before him, and Jesus said to him in verse 17, why do you call me good? There's none good but one, and that's God. But if you will enter into life, you keep the commandments. Well, he said, which ones? And Jesus named a few. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. You love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I want you to listen to this young man at what he said. The young man said to Jesus, all these things have I kept from my youth up. How many people do you know that could make the statement, I've kept all the commandments of God from my youth up? I could not say that. Could you say that, that you've kept all the commandments of God from your youth up? This is one of the finest moral individuals you'll ever read about. And he's so righteous, he's so good morally, he actually challenged Jesus. Could there be something, could there possibly be something that I've overlooked in my life? And Jesus looked at him and said, if you will be perfect, you go and sell what you have. You give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven and you come and follow me. But when that young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowfully because he had great possessions. Here is a man with his hand seemingly on the doorknob to open the door to the kingdom of God. 
He literally is on the top step to the kingdom of God. And yet he turned and he walked away from the only one that could ever give him life. Now, why? Because it was not convenient for him to do what Jesus told, said, told him to do. But if a young person, if anybody has the right attitude toward obedience, he's going to obey God in spite of inconvenience. Secondly, though the day, if a person has the right attitude toward obedience, he's going to obey God regardless of what anybody else may say or do or think. You know, about the most foolish statement that I've ever heard in my life and about the most foolish statement that any person could ever make is I would obey God if my husband would. You know, I would obey God if my wife would. I would obey God if my parents would. Now, this matter of obeying God is an individual matter, and every person needs to realize this. Long ago, Joshua said in Joshua 24 and verse 15, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you'll serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. I think Joshua wanted all people to serve God. But Joshua said it doesn't matter what anybody else may do, regardless of what they do, I and my family are going to obey God. A little over 80 years ago in South Alabama, there was this 17-year-old blind boy who had heard this gospel preacher preach on the radio for several weeks and months. And he heard this preacher was going to be conducting a gospel meeting in the community where this blind boy lived. And so he called up this preacher and said that he would attend this meeting if the preacher would come by and pick him up. And so the preacher went by, picked up this young man, he attended this gospel meeting, he went home and told his parents that he had learned the truth and that he was going to obey the gospel. But his people were so prejudiced against the truth that they forbade him to be baptized. But the young boy said, it's the truth. I must do it. It's right. The father said, you can't do it. The young boy said, I must do it. I'm going to do it. And the father said, if you do, you're not going to be allowed to come home. Now here's a young boy, blind from birth. He knows the truth. He knows it's right. Where is he going to go? What's he going to do? But he obeyed the gospel anyway. And his father kept his word. For several months, this young man was not permitted to go home, and he lived with members of the church there. But today, that man's baptized his father. He's baptized his mother. He's baptized just about all of his people. 
But suppose he said, I know this is right. I know I want to do it. But my father forbids me to do it. Oh, I would obey God if my parents would. But obedience to God is an individual matter between you and God. If we have the right attitude toward obedience, we're going to obey God regardless of what anybody around us may say or think or do. And also today, if we have the right attitude toward obedience, we're going to obey God even though we can see no human reasoning or logic in why God has said to do a certain thing. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, the Bible says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But to us which are saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath God not made the foolishness of the world manifest? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now all that verse is saying there is that man in his own wisdom does not know God. We don't walk by human wisdom. We walk by faith. And certainly there are many things in God's word that I can see and understand from a logical standpoint. It's just logical, isn't it, that a man believe? And I think I can explain why a person ought to repent from just a logical standpoint. If a man is going to do right, he ought to repent. But I can't understand how one outside of Christ can go down into that water, and when he goes down into that water, he's an alien sinner, and when he comes up out of that water, he is forgiven of every sin he's ever committed. You figure that out by human wisdom. We don't walk by human wisdom. We don't walk by human reasoning. We walk by faith. We believe it because God said it. I don't know exactly what happens in baptism that allows one to come into contact with the saving blood of Jesus. But I know what God said about it. Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Acts 22 and verse 16. 1 Peter 3 and verse 21 says, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Jesus said in Mark 16 and verse 16, He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Now I may not be able to understand this from a human standpoint, but 
I know that God said to do it. And if I have the right attitude toward obedience, that's good enough for me. Long ago, God said to Joshua, Joshua, I've given into your hand Jericho. Well, how did God give Jericho to Joshua? Well, the Lord told Joshua to take his army and you march around the city one time a day for six days. On the seventh day, you march around the city seven times. And in Joshua 6 and verse 5, it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall will fall down flat. Now, folks, you try to figure that out by human, lo human logic. And yet we need to remember that it was only when they obeyed God that the wall fell flat. And so you see, if I have the right attitude toward obedience, I'm going to obey God even though I may not be able to see from human reasoning or judgment why God has said to do a certain thing. I must walk by faith. Lastly, though, today, when one has the right attitude toward obeying God, he's going to obey God immediately. On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Paul preached a powerful sermon. He brought that sermon to the conclusion in verse 36. He said, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this same Jesus whom you've crucified, both Lord and Christ. And the Bible says they interrupted him. They cried out, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, you repent, you be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And verse 42 says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Over in Acts chapter 8, we read about that eunuch who wanted to learn the truth. And the Bible says Philip came to him. He preached unto him Jesus. And in verse 36, the Bible says, as they went on their way, they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. You see, if I have the right attitude toward obedience, I will obey God immediately. Over in Acts chapter 16, we Read about that Philippian jailer. He heard the gospel at midnight. He didn't even wait for the rising of the morning sun, but he obeyed the gospel immediately. You see, if I have the right attitude toward obeying God, I'm going to obey without delay. I want to ask you this morning, a very important question. 
Do you have the right attitude toward obedience? Is there someone here today that has been thinking about obeying the gospel, being immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins? Have you thought about it and thought about it, but you know, up till now, you're just putting it off. Is there someone here who knows their life as a child of God is not right? You know you've allowed things to come between you and God. Maybe you've lost your spiritual focus. You've allowed sin to come into your life. Maybe you know that you need to correct those things. What's your attitude toward obedience? If you have the right attitude toward obedience... You're going to obey God in spite of inconvenience. You're going to obey God regardless of what anybody around you may think or say or do. You'll obey God even though you may not be able to understand completely from human reasoning or logic why God has said to do a certain thing. And if you have the right attitude toward obedience, I submit to you that you will obey God immediately while together we stand and sing. When we walk with the
song before the Lord's Supper. This morning will be Can He Still Feel the Nails? Listen. supper this morning. If you're in need of an emblem, if you'll raise your hand, the ushers will take care of you. with me please. Heavenly Fathers, we partake of this bread that represents Christ's body that died on the cross that we might have forgiveness of our sins and opportunity of home in heaven with thee one day. Father, help our minds go back to reflect all the pain and suffering and he did all this just for us and help us partake of this in a manner that will be pleasing unto thee. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Bow with me. Heavenly Fathers, we partake of this fruit of the vine that represents Christ's blood that was shed on the cross that we might have forgiveness of our sins. Father, it's our prayer that we will do this in a manner that will be pleasing unto thee. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.
Before Stephen gets up, I have a couple of youth announcements I'd like to make. Um, well, one youth announcement is something else. So tonight, we don't know what we're calling it yet, but we are having our first youth night. Um, we used to call it Sunday Night Live, but we'll figure all that out later. Uh, but it's at the Sweeney's home, okay? And so this is, um, this is not a family and youth night. This is a youth night. We want it to be for our young people. Uh, so. We have a bus leaving, or we'll have a bus or van leaving right after classes tonight, uh, six o'clock, and uh, we'll be taking our youth. Um, and if, if the youth can drive, of course, please drive there. Um, and then hopefully uh, they'll be able to text you and tell you whenever we're on our way back, but we're thinking the, the bus will be back by nine for those who cannot drive or make it to the Sweeney's. Uh, we wanna make sure, please, boys bring chips and dips, and girls, please bring some desserts for that tonight. But in conjunction with that, this is the other announcement that's not youth. Uh, the young adult class is having our first, what we're calling our triple F. <laughs> that's a pretty terrible name, but it's called Fast Food Fellowship. How about that? So uh, we, we want you, and whoever this, if this applies to you, we want you to come. Uh, but our young adult class has been trying to do this for a while. So we're just gonna grab some fast food and we're gonna take it to the annex. If you wanna do that or be a part of that, or if you feel that applies to you, please do that tonight uh, because we'll have our first young adult fast food fellowship tonight in the annex. All right, thank y'all very much. Good morning. I have a few, several things that I need to go share with you quickly. Uh, this morning, we had 352 in worship. What a great day to be together. Amen. I have a couple of cards that I've been asked to read. Boonville Church family, thank you for the calls, text, kind words, prayers, and beautiful pottery during my dad's illness and after his death. Please continue to remember my family in your prayers. We love you all, Johnny and Kim Parker. 
Dear church family, we as a family feel love, comfort, and peace, or felt love, comfort, and peace Monday at Don's funeral. Thank you for blessing us with your presence. All the voices singing together was such a beautiful sound. Don will forever be missed. He gave us the precious gift of living and knowing that he loved the Lord. Pain and sorrow are now a thing of the past. Your calls, visits, food, floral arrangement, monetary gifts, words of comfort, the wonderful meal, and most of all, your prayers have meant so much to us. From the bottom of our heart, thank you, Brenda Dawson and family. I'd be remiss if I did not remind you that there is an entire section of the bulletin devoted to those who need to be remembered in prayer. It fills an entire page. So I encourage you, I'm not going to read all of that. I encourage you to take that, notice it, don't forget about it, pray about it. But we do have some announcements to share very quickly. The Pineville picnic is Tuesday. The bus will leave the annex after Caring Cook Caring Cook's deliveries about 11.15. Meal is planned there at 12.15. Check the, the sheet in the lobby to review what you've committed to bring. We will begin taking pictures for our new church directory. Listen to these, we have several things that are very important. For the new church directory today, if you want your picture made and your last name begins with A through H, meet in the front of the auditorium, the left side, this morning following worship. All, May, all session three, that's coming up in a week. That's Tony Brown's week. And uh, all session three Maywood campers and a parent need to meet with Drew Bruce in front of the auditorium, the right side, this morning following worship. That is mandatory. It's important. I appreciate Drew so very much for stepping up and taking a leadership role in that. And uh, please be a part of that meeting. All ladies who would like to help with a baby shower for Laura Galloway are asked to meet in the little chapel following this morning, uh, uh, this morning following worship. So if you look up and standing around and wonder where everybody is, they're in a meeting. So either be patient or go join them. Uh, Landmark Nursing Home devotional is at 4 p.m. today. The youth will go to TSYS this coming Thursday night, uh, lead the attack at 5.30. Brother Ken uh, is beginning a gospel meeting at North Rienzi Church of Christ today. We will be taking a bus tomorrow evening and uh, leave from the annex at 6.30. Fried Hardeman Associates annual salad luncheon is coming up June 30th, 11 to 1 in the annex. Tickets are available now from any associate. Those are $10 each. Horizon campers will be assembling uh, 2,500 back-to-school packets for Chester County school students. We have been asked to collect needed items, tissues, cleaning wipes, crayons, coloring pencil. There's an entire list on here for you to look at. If you're willing to help with those, uh, purchase those, bring those, and place those in the blue barrel in the foyer by June the 25th. Uh, food pantry and clothes closet will be open this coming Thursday at 9 a.m. Workers are always needed. An additional to our sick list, Eddie Scott, who has, who's on, um, that's Ken Scott's uncle, who's on our prayer list, has been moved to ICU in serious condition in the Tupelo Hospital. Please continue to remember him. The Tim Sarton family, of course, remember them in your prayers. And then 
as quickly as I possibly can, I, I have to say thank you to all of you who were part of the Super Saturday Bible School yesterday. It is glorifying to God in service to Christ, such an encouraging thing to have so many things happening all at once. And all of those of you who were involved, there were 145 yesterday, 65 uh, students, 80 adults. And I want you to understand those 80 adults, there, weren't a sing there were no bystanders in that 80. They were all interwoven in something that was going on here. And so uh, um, I, would spend, I would stand up here for 30 minutes if I started talking about it. But to God be the glory. Uh, there was so much happening yesterday that was so encouraging. Thank you for being a part of that. We appreciate and love you so very much. Almost forgot, I told Brother Jim, I'm so used to getting up here and talking that if I forgot that I'm doing announcements, I'm supposed to lead a prayer, he's supposed to wave at me, so his hand was started. Uh, now, we've come to an end of a great worship service, amen? Let's close in a word of prayer. Stand with me. Most gracious and holy Heavenly Father, we are mindful of your goodness and your grace your power and your presence, your mercy and your majesty. Father, we are thankful for all of that with which you bless us each day. We are thankful for your son who sits on the throne at the right hand of your glory, who is our Lord, who is our savior, who will be our judge. And we are thankful for his presence. We are thankful for his sacrifice. Thank you for the worship of your people today for allowing us into your presence and may our, our um, offering of worship have been that which honors you, praises you in spirit and in truth. And as we leave this place, as so many go to sections of the building and meet about working in your kingdom and others have their picture made because they belong to the family that is yours that meets here, how can we not be full of encouragement and enthusiasm and praise for your great and majestic name. And Father, if there is anything that is more important to us than being your child and serving you, defeat that in our hearts. May we always love you. In, his, in your son's name we pray, amen.